You're listening to the Counseling Clinic Podcast with Aisha J. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else wanting to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. The discussions in our episodes are not a replacement for seeking professional individual mental health care and should not be viewed as part of one's own personal mental health treatment. Our conversations are geared toward assisting mental health professionals, advocates, and others interested with thought-provoking ideas and resources. For our full disclosure statement, visit our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. Hey everyone. Welcome back. If you're a returning listener, if you're new here, we're happy to have you. Thank you for joining us today. So it is November and we expect that people may have just finished midterms, maybe wrapping up midterms, uh, possibly have finals coming up. Maybe there's pre-standardized testing, things like that. So we want to talk about uh, test anxiety for all of those big tests we might be looking at or thinking about. So let's start with what test anxiety actually is. So Michelle, you want to go ahead and give us a definition? Yes. So according to Dougherty and Winderworth from their 2017 study, quote, test anxiety is a psychological condition in which people experience extreme distress and anxiety in testing situations. While many people experience some degree of stress and anxiety before and during exams, test anxiety can actually impair learning and hurt test performance, end quote. So just as when we talked about phobias in our last episode, this is something that has to cause significant impairment in being able to function. So specifically in functioning with taking a test, that's going to be recalling information, being able to be calm enough to sit through the exam, those kind of things. And even, I'll add this, preparing for the exam. So one of the things that can happen, too, is that it's also making it difficult to get ready for the exam. Right. So it's important to note that this is more than just nervousness, right? And it's also important to note that nervousness is normal and can often be helpful, right? There's a certain level of, um, we all kind of have this stress window, right? And an amount of stress that helps us perform better, right? So that nervousness can be helpful in that way. It's kind of like if you think of people who procrastinate and tend to do better when they do something right before, or like people using the expression, um, I do well under pressure, right? Again, that certain level of that helps us perform better but it's when it is outside of that appropriate level for us is when it becomes a problem that's right one of the things that can be difficult with test anxiety is that you have both physiological and mental or psychological symptoms Mm -hmm. so a lot of times the physical can appear like a panic attack or like an inability to do x whether that's inability to study inability to um, sit through the exam or focus which that's where we bleed into the psychological of, you know, one common right, thing is people right. blank out, right? People say, like, I just froze. I just couldn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. That would be now we're getting to anxiety that's at an inappropriate level. Yeah. And as far as stats, numbers, and stuff on this, um, 
Hanfessa et al. state in their 2020 study, I believe, that, quote, approximately 25 to 40% of students, they were referencing college students, college students suffer from test anxiety and that this number is also increasing. I would like to see one on younger students, which that has its own barriers, right? Because the younger students would be minors. um, And so it's harder to get data that way. But I think it would be interesting to see the numbers on that. Yeah, I would imagine. And again, this is just something I would imagine, right? Don't have numbers on that. Right. But I would imagine that's getting much more significant. As far as the minors, because there's such a pressure on them now as far as state testing and um, achievement tests and Mm -hmm. and what have you, starting from like preschool and kindergarten. So I would imagine it's pretty stout. Yeah. Yeah. Learning in a different way, right? We had Common Core implemented a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, the kids were being taught a different way than their parents and siblings and, and you know, um, older relatives learned. So I'm sure that added to the stress and the anxiety level of of um, performing, really, whether on tests or on classwork or whatever. Yeah. So as far as what we do with this, um, talk to us a little bit about some tips, ways to handle, ways to deal with this. So the first tip is to get a diagnosis and request accommodations. So let me talk out what I mean by that. Yep. So one, you have to seek help, right? That's the only way you can be diagnosed. <laughs> um, so go to therapy. They can give you actual tips and, and things that you can use. But to receive accommodations, you need a diagnosis, right? And it's important to note that test anxiety is not its own standalone diagnosis. So if you get diagnosed, you'll likely be uh, diagnosed with anxiety. Um, you won't be diagnosed with anxiety. That's not a thing. You would be diagnosed <laughs> with, with, right. You would be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder or maybe even social anxiety because it's performance based or, um, something, some other type of anxiety disorder, right? So that's that's the first thing. Your paperwork would not say test anxiety, that's right? Because right. that's not its own diagnosis. Um, but that still helps you because the ADA covers anxiety. So um, you could present that paperwork to your I guess I'm I'm thinking university because we were talking about college students. Right. But but you know, your school personnel, whoever that may be. And request accommodations because of that. And also just a note, this is my own thing, right? Y'all can listen or not. That's fine. But I would encourage you to really take a look and, and be diligent when asking for accommodations because you need accommodations so that you can do well, which means that yours might look different from somebody else. So that means you don't have to accept what's given to you. You can ask for something more specific, right? I think it's important that people know about that. I don't want to get into the specifics because people are different, but that's what my point is. My point is people are different and you don't have to take what's presented to you. You can ask for something that's specific to your unique situation. I completely agree. And I know, and again, without getting into the whole situation, yeah, a lot of times the first thing that may be given to you and you're like, oh, this is not really for me. This this doesn't fit or it's not helpful. They mm-hmm. may say, we'll do it for this amount of time and then come back. 
right do that like keep your records keep your documentation and then go back when it didn't work or if it doesn't work right right because it is so important to get what you need so that you can do well Yeah, I had a parent recently, I was asking, did they have accommodations for their student? And she said she wasn't sure if she wanted to do that because the accommodation might be, you know, getting extra time on the test. But she wanted to know what would her student do with more time. Um, and, and so we had that conversation of maybe that's not the accommodation that your student needs, right? Maybe it is. And we prepare them for what to do with that extra time. Love so that. again, the situation looks different. And so my, my point again is to make sure that you're getting something that works for you. Or like Michelle said, try it because it may work and then keep record and show if it doesn't work and then go back and ask for something else. Yeah, a lot of times in these situations, you have to just stay on it. And as much as we don't want to do that, if that's how we get to the end goal of doing well, uh, let's go. Right. A personal one for me, because I very much agree with get the diagnosis, follow through with accommodations, um, is start early, right? If you know you have a history of this, or if you know you tend to struggle with it. That is a great one. Start little by little, baby steps in studying so that you're not doing it all two weeks before the week before. Mm -hmm. Because I'll say this, I don't necessarily believe people do that well under pressure. Mm -hmm. That like they say that, like I think some people can do- I can, I understand. Can do well. Like they can (laughs) do moderately Mm -hmm. well. I think people could do their best if they wouldn't procrastinate or if they would at least start earlier, right? I can agree with that. Mm -hmm. That's just me. I have learned that the hard way. I struggled in academics for a long time growing up because number one, I just struggled. And two, I also waited until like the week of to do things. And then I Mm -hmm. realized this is not working. I have a history of this not working out. Yeah. And I think that's important too, right? Thinking of that history. And again, that self-evaluation, right? What works for you and what doesn't. I think another personal for me, another one would be being flexible, right? Mm, Being willing to say, this is not working. I'm going to try it different, right? This did work, but I got this suggestion and maybe I'll try that too, right? Because maybe the combination of both of them could help me excel instead of just doing well, right? Yeah. So I think I think being flexible is a good one too. And for parents of kids with these issues or test anxiety, also keep that flexibility in check, like help mm-hmm. them brainstorm how else we can prepare or what else we can do, you know, because sometimes, sometimes parents, we, we got to be flexible as well. You know, Absolutely. we, we got to be able to say, okay, that's not working out. What else will? Right, right. Or you're not me, so you can have a different approach. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> So also, um, we have an article below from Very Well Mind, what is test anxiety? And they have a pretty good list of things you can do as well. So they say, avoid the perfectionist trap. And they say to banish negative thoughts. So those are two different tips, but I put them together because both of those things are easier said than done. Um, <laughs> and you likely need help with those. Okay. So those are things that you can learn how to do 
in therapy, right? So once you've already gone, you've already gotten your diagnosis. So continue to go and learn tips and tricks on how to avoid the perfectionist trap and how to banish your negative thoughts. And you may not simply banish them, but you'll learn how to challenge them, how to confront them, how to counter them, things like that, right? Um, and how to engage in more positive thoughts or self-talk, which I personally think is the same, but you know, that's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> um, but so those two, it seems like they don't require therapy, but let me tell you, therapy will be very helpful right. in doing those. Um, another one they mentioned is similar to the one I said, uh, which was neat. I didn't know it was going to be on here, but uh, <laughs> start early, right? Don't cram the week of. Mm-hmm. It's just going to create more anxiety. Now, another one they mentioned is including and be prepared is getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, especially when we're looking at college, and I would say some high school, we mm-hmm. are pulling all nighters and we're staying up and we're yeah. late night study sessions. Yeah. I think there's a place for everything. I think there are times that's going to be necessary. Don't get me wrong. But that cannot be your norm every time. Like you will deteriorate. That will not be your effective abilities. Because then if we're talking about accommodations, if you're doing all that and then trying to do the accommodations, that may be too much on you. Mm -hmm. Another thing I would say is eat right. Right. If you got an 8 a.m. Oh, you studied till 2 a.m. You haven't eaten whatever. Mm -hmm. Again, you got to take care of the body, right? A brain is part of the body. It's going to need that fuel to help you focus and stay calm. Another example for what you were talking about, Michelle, is, you know, doing assignments right before class, even though this is talking about tests, but, you know, still that, yeah. (laughs) And that was a thing I struggled with for so long in, Mm -hmm. in high school and probably the very beginning of college was... I would take really good, like I would be engaged in the class and then I would just only check in as the class would happen. So it's right. this after the class right. at, in the evenings and I really check back in. So doing that, you're right. That's a great tip. And you know what else? For us, we probably got like a cell phone around middle school, high school, something like that. And so then, like yep. you say, you're pulling all nighters because you were on the phone all night or look, you know, talking to people, yep. right? Um, But I bring that up to say that, once again, I think stuff like this is happening earlier, like we were talking about, you know, the the stats and what they look like in younger children. I would imagine this is happening earlier because kids have phones earlier, right? They have more internet access. So even if they're not on the phone talking to somebody, maybe they're, you know, playing video games all night or um, on the computer or on, you know, whatever social media platform you know, using their time that way and even being influenced that way. Cause right. that's what we do as kids, right? We learn from our peers, right? They said that they only did their homework right before class starts. So, you know, I might try to do that too, right? right? So I think that's interesting to think about. Anyway, another tip or the, I guess the last tip on the Very Online Mind article is uh, taking deep breaths. And again, that's something that you probably think you know how to do and that you don't need help with it. But I guarantee you it would be more successful if you go to therapy and learn how to actually do it effectively, right? You may know that somebody who did go to therapy and they taught you how to do it, but that doesn't mean that that's the one that works for you, right? There are many breathing techniques that you can learn that 
again, you have to choose what works for you. And in therapy, you can also learn other relaxation techniques that you can use quietly in your seat before the test, during the test that won't be disruptive to other people and, you know, cause like some kind of negative consequence or bring negative attention to you. You know, you can learn other things that you can do quietly to calm yourself. I love that. And that that reminds me of when I learned um, the breathing technique that I use a lot of times. My therapist told me that. She said, you know, this is something that you can do at your desk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you are trying to work or trying to read or trying to do right. what have you. So there are some great things that we can just learn internally that we yes. can do quietly during the test. And I think that's a crucial one. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would even go as far as to say that that's one of the differences I see in sharing tips, right? Sharing tips, we often learn how to do things that might help us think of something else or avoid this thought or relax in this way. But in getting your own treatment and going to therapy and figuring out what works for you, you're going to learn a lot more internal stuff because it's your therapy, right? right? And then again, like I said, it works for you, but it's also not going to bring attention to you that will cause some kind of additional disruption, right? Exactly. So that is all we have for you today, folks. Hopefully that was helpful and you know maybe you needed it at the time. Hopefully you can benefit from the tips that we gave um we want to know your thoughts and experiences are you struggling with test anxiety are you a clinician with tips to share and of course as always if we missed anything let us know so that we can all learn and grow together see y'all next time see ya thanks for listening to the counseling clinic with aisha jane and lisa michelle Remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at the Counseling Clinic Podcast. We'll see you guys by our next session. Bye, guys.